Welcome to Everyday Medicine. I'm Dr. Luke, and I'll be sharing conversations with colleagues exploring their special interests in medicine and bringing insights, ideas, and advice for your medical practice. Last week, Dr. Risley joined us to discuss an approach to non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. Today, we will have a conversation with Ferry about hepatitis B. 230,000 people living in Australia have hepatitis B. 250 million have hepatitis B in the Asia-Pacific region, and it is estimated that 350 million people have hepatitis B worldwide. It is responsible for up to 2 million deaths per year. In Australia, up to 30% of people with chronic hepatitis B remain undiagnosed. Only one in five actually engage with care. The national target is one in two. 10% are receiving some form of treatment. The target is more than 20%. To discuss this further, please welcome Dr. Ferry Rusley. This is the third part of a four-part series on liver disease from everyday medicine. And today we will again be introducing you to Dr. Ferry Rusley, who's an expert in liver disease. We'll be talking about hepatitis B. And as a background, the, in the world, there are 350 million patients with hepatitis B. The Asia-Pacific region, which is relevant to Australia, there's 250 million. The annual mortality is estimated at 1 to 2 million. Mm. 230,000 people in Australia are thought to have hepatitis B, but a third of them are undiagnosed, and only one in five actually engage in care. The mm. national recommendation is one in two engage in care. 9 to 10% are actually receiving antiviral therapy. The target is 20%. So we have a very big load of patients with hepatitis B. And I'd like to now ask you, Ferry, thank you very mm -hmm. much for joining us again. Um, in regard to those sorts of figures, a, a patient comes in to see you with hepatitis B. Uh, tell us how you would work that case up. Well, firstly, uh, take a thorough history. Obviously, uh, how they acquire it and contact is also important so that the household context needs to be informed and they probably need to be vaccinated as well. And, um, and um, uh, this can be done obviously through the GP. Once someone has uh, hepatitis B, you need to assess the, the virus itself and what the virus has done to the patient. So obviously you have to do further blood tests, your full blood count, looking at this uh, platelet count check the clotting time, INR, to see whether it is elevated, to see whether they have advanced disease, and obviously the liver function test. Uh, if, um, if the um, uh, uh, liver enzymes is, is, is elevated, clearly there will be a, a some other, uh, clearly there will be some um, uh, uh, inflammation going on. We cannot just assume that it is from the hep B, so we have to make sure that they don't have hepatitis C as well. So a lot of people, if they have one virus, they can still be co-infected with other virus. And in particularly in certain countries, uh, they get Delta virus, which is hepatitis D, which needs to be a watch out for. So people in, from the uh, African continent, maybe people um, in the, um, a certain part of Southeast Asia and uh, Afghanistan, Pakistan, they have all this uh, Delta virus uh, around that can have a co-infection. So it is... Uh, uh, quite uh, uh, a lot of things to do. Plus, you need to do imaging and check their alpha-fetoprotein and take a thorough history in terms of family history, whether they have 
family history of hepatoma because when people have a family history of hepatoma, they carry a slight increased risk as well themselves. Yes, so there's a lot to take in there. We're looking Absolutely. at uh, the, the virus, what effect it's having on the liver. Is the liver compensated, decompensated? Yes. We're working it out by looking at the liver tests, by the imaging, by the other blood panel. We're wondering if there are comorbidities such as hep C. Are they drinking? Do they have even mm -hmm. something a bit unexpected like hemochromatosis in the background? Absolutely. Could they have metabolic associated fatty liver disease in combination? There are so many different variables to look mm -hmm. at. Just taking it back a little, if they, if the patient presents to you, the general practitioner is referring a patient in, and you're given a liver panel, liver function panel, which is just slightly abnormal. The AST and the ALT might be just one and a half times the, the normal uh, level. Albumin just slightly down, slightly mm -hmm. down. Plate that's about normal, about normal. And you've got the hepatitis B serology in front of you there. What are the, th the key things you look at? With the hepatitis B serology. Take us through that. Yes, basically you want to know what is the hepatitis B E antigen, hepatitis B E antibody, and the hepatitis B viral load. So the viral load is very important. The higher the viral load, they are the more likely to progress on to more advanced liver disease. And obviously, like you mentioned, the albumin is borderline, bilirubin and platelets are all borderline. You will be concerned in this kind of scenario whether the person has advanced uh, liver disease. Many people with advanced liver disease with hepatitis B, they only have a slightly elevated ALT or AST. It can be uh, uh, a 50 in someone, uh, in, 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 a, in a female who got a chronic hep B. And that 50 is abnormal in, in this setting. And it will indicate that it probably has an ongoing inflammation. So they need to have a, a proper assessment like a fibroscan on top of a baseline ultrasound. It, would you say the the sort of the log value, uh, the, the, the viral count, is the most important thing that you look for? Uh, it is one of the uh, one of the more important things in assessment of the uh, of of of, um, of chronic hepatitis B. Uh, if they have a low viral load and persistently uh, normal liver function tests, low viral load meaning that below three log. If they are below three log, I would consider it is very low. So probably less than two thousand or less than 2,000, 3,000 international unit per mil, that will be considered as low. If it is persistently low with a normal platelet count, persistently normal platelet count, uh, uh, normal uh, spleen size, no evidence of portal hypertension or the ultrasound, then this group of people are probably, um, uh, uh, they are in the immune control phase, presumably they are e-antigen negative. So these are the people that uh, uh, GP uh, practitioner, uh, they can uh, continue to monitor them. Mm. So they're the chronic carrier that's asymptomatic mm. and may not be at particular risk of decompensating at any time in the future unless perhaps they're exposed to biologic agents or maybe steroids or perhaps some chemotherapy. Uh, what would you recommend the GP do for that group? Should they be checked on an annual basis with blood pathology? Yes. So any happy carrier they are entitled to have one hepatitis B viral load per year, which is covered by Medicare. If in the event that they require to take steroids, chemotherapeutic agent, or any biologics, then I think the patient should be referred to a gastroenterologist or hepatologist and consider oral antiviral therapy. Okay. Because there is a risk that even these people with low viral load can suddenly have a, a severe flare-up in the event of uh, immunosuppression. Okay, so they need to be watched 
carefully and mm. uh, the GP has to be aware that they may experience a flare yes. at any time because even if uh, there's a very low viral load, mm -hmm. we aren't exactly eradicating the virus completely. It's intracellular, is that right? So it remains dormant. You can't yes. say that it's ever been totally wiped out. Correct. Yes, even if people who have lost their surface antigen and develop surface antibody in a small percentage under extreme immunosuppression, for example, rituximab, which is used commonly in treating lymphoma, and uh, it can reactivate uh, the virus. And they, the patient can suddenly come back six weeks post-completion of their chemotherapy, became jaundice with a sudden flare-up with a viral load in the millions, and the surface antigen become positive again. So these are the patients that needs to have a prophylactic oral uh, antiviral. So we have to be very aware of that. Absolutely. So what about the other group? The other group that uh, you feel may need more active treatment, mm -hmm. uh, they have B positive, they've got an E antigen that's positive. What are you doing with that group? With this group, um, you have to uh, watch them carefully because uh, their liver enzymes can fluctuate very quickly. So sometimes if they're E antigen positive, you may need to do ALT, the liver enzymes, maybe perhaps every three months. And then in the event of um, there is uh, 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 the liver enzymes becomes elevated, then uh, you need to consider them for treatment, whether it's by interferon or oral antivirals such as entecavir or tenofovir. So this group of people needs to be watched uh, very carefully. And in some instances, some of these people can even take part in the uh, trial at some of the hospital. Yep. So a low viral load, uh, a low viral load is, is one side mm -hmm. of this equation. A, a high viral load is another side of the equation. So if you have a high viral load, uh, is it almost always the case that the liver functions will be abnormal? Not necessarily. A lot of young people have a very high viral load. They are considered in the immunotolerant phase. The immunotolerant phase can be very long, can be 20, 30, 40 years before it breaks, and then they go to the immune clearance. If, if within six to 12 months period of their body immune system try to clear it, they couldn't clear it, that's when the time that I will definitely consider offering them treatment. Okay, yeah. so let's talk about that. How, how are you then deciding in your own mind that this patient is going to be the patient for treatment? You've decided who isn't going to be for treatment. How do you decide which one is going to be for treatment? The one that is uh, having um, uh, uh, RACE liver enzymes, yes. RACE ALT, they are the one that I will definitely uh, uh, consider treatment. With and a high viral load? Yes, yeah. with high viral load. And this is, uh, and then we will discuss about uh, what uh, uh, what they want in terms of their uh, family setup. Are they are they going to start a family soon or are they not? Uh, because that will also um, impact on the type of medication we are going to use. Obviously, interferon you can't use it because it's teratogenic, so we won't use it if they are in their. Uh, 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 childbearing age and they are planning to have baby, then I would opt for either tenofovir or entecavir, which is safer. And okay. it can be taken um, if they are planning to start a family. Are there mm. any other viral antiviral choices or new antiviral therapies that are emerging that you're aware of? There are some emerging um, uh, uh, antiviral medication uh, that is uh, working in, in a different way than entecavir and tenofovir, but unfortunately uh, none of them are uh, are close enough um, in terms of uh, uh, going through the uh, uh, approval because some of them have a lot of side effects. 
unfortunately. So, so the, the, the drugs that we do have available, we've mentioned those three, how effective are they? They are very, very effective. So for example, tenofovir, we uh, have been using it for anti-HIV uh, uh, anti for, for a long time. It is safe for pregnancy. We even use it for a uh, female who are in the third trimester with a high viral load, high, high meaning more than five log. The, this group of people is another group that the GP should consider referring. If they are pregnant with a high viral load, with a normal liver enzymes, they should be considered for oral antiviral therapy to reduce the vertical transmission to the next generation. How do you treat the baby? The baby, I would say that uh, uh, when they were born, obviously to a, a positive mother, they will have the immunoglobulin and the active uh, immunization, uh, the normal schedule. And then uh, later on, I wouldn't uh, usually uh, test uh, the baby's blood uh, immediately, but I'm sure some pediatric um, uh, gastroenterologists uh, uh, will, will be interested in doing it because I feel that doing the test is not going to change the management. Even if we found traces of the um, virus in the baby, we are not going to treat them with uh, anything. I would just wait until they are about teenage years before I would test them. Okay. There's a lot to take in there, isn't there? G give us a sense of um, 100 patients with hep B, active hepatitis B. Mm. But what's going to happen to those 100 patients? They're not treated. Let's assume they're not being treated. Mm. What, what is the natural history? The natural history, I would say that uh, uh, majority will not um, land up with uh, advanced liver disease. The one that will end up probably about 20%. And within that 20%, there will be a percentage will definitely develop hepatoma. So the risk is, uh, is higher than the general population. So um, uh, mind you that there is some, there's a subset of patients in hepatitis B that do not have liver cirrhosis and yet develop hepatoma. So they jump from a chronic hep B straight to hepatoma mm -hmm. without going through the cirrhosis uh, stage. Okay. So these are very important. So that's, uh, hepatoma screening is very important even in people with low viral load. It's so GP should still do it. Yes. Are you aware of any alternative treatments that may offer a role? Patients often love to try alternative therapies. Um, it's an unusual word, alternative therapies. But are there any other treatments that could be have, that have been shown to be of any value that you're aware of? No. I, 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 I think there are a lot of people... Uh, in China, they use all different kind of a, a, a traditional Chinese medicine, and none of them actually works. No. They may actually just make the uh, liver enzymes uh, better, but it doesn't really uh, change the, the progression natural of the progression of the disease. So sometimes it's just like a cosmetic kind of a, okay. a, a treatment, which I will not uh, recommend. Yeah. Very. Three things you tell your patients with hepatitis B. Are the three outstanding things you'd say to them? Take home messages, what are they? Number one, make sure your uh, uh, immediate household contact has to be vaccinated. And uh, number two will be uh, have regular blood tests with your GP, including the viral load, at least yearly. And number three will be have the ultrasound regularly, especially men above 40 and women above 50. Thank you very much, Ferry. I know you travel widely, uh, not at the moment, of course, but uh, you have tra travelled very widely, uh, and I'm somewhat envious of that. Your favourite destination, Ferry? My favourite destination will be Italy. 
Of course, <laughs> the Amalfi Coast. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I hope you've enjoyed this conversation held today as much as I did. Next week, Ferry will return to discuss the clinical problem of hepatitis C. We invite you to join us again. During the podcast series, we will be covering a wide range of topics across many specialty interests. The discussions are not intended as specific medical advice for patients, but as general information only and reflect the opinions of the guests interviewed. Requests for new topics to be reviewed and comments about the conversation you've listened to are welcome to maybe email to manager at gihealth.com.au.